Welcome back to Essential Dynamics. This is Reed McCollum, your favorite guest host. And I today I have in the studio with me somebody I really admire and uh, can stand the sight of. His name is Mr. Derek Hudson. Derek, are you here? Happy to be here, Reed. Thanks for uh, joining me again. This is it's I, great to have you back. Well, I'm I'm delighted, and I'm glad that we're talking about things because the last time I was here, just a, uh, an episode ago, I felt like uh, we had a we had too much material to cover. I really wanted to know how you've been doing this season and what you've learned, and you've really packaged packaged your thoughts into uh, a cohesive and uh, understandable uh, group of of thoughts and and one thing we got to in the last episode that I don't think we really covered much was uh, the idea of teamwork and how uh, how it's necessary to have a guide and uh, I want you to expound on that a little bit tell me more uh, oh there's lots there's lots to say about guides so uh, let's let's go back to uh, yes or last last week's episode last episode was we talked about being stuck. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about was that the easy problems or even the hard but manageable problems get managed and get solved. So what you're left with is ones that are either harder to see, harder to get out of. Um, and so those that's where we get stuck. Okay. You know, we're, we're bouncing along just fine until we get, you know, something gets wedged and then, it stays with us. It's stuck. We're stuck. So one one of the ways to look at that is, um, I guess I could go this way. Albert Einstein is, is attributed to him. I love his quotation. The significant problems we face cannot be solved at the level of thinking we were at when we created them. So, so we've got a pattern of thinking. We've got a way of solving problems. We've got a way of looking at the world. And that's allowed us to solve a bunch of problems except for the ones that we haven't solved. And the reason right. that we haven't solved them is because our current level of thinking won't solve them. Right. Right. So there's the, a bit of like the survival of the fittest among problems as well. The ones that can beat you are the ones that stay with you. Yes. And, and so redoubling your efforts using the same method of thinking is not going to get you out of one of these negative loops, one of these, one of these problems. And so it may be wise to bring in a, another set of eyes, another view of the problem. And that might crack things open. And so when I was thinking about the kind of work that I enjoy doing with clients and thinking about my role, I considered a number of ways of describing what that was. And I really settled on the word guide. And there's, there's a bunch of stuff in using the idea of a guide that, uh, that really works with what we're doing. First of all. Okay. I, before you get into, first of all, I want you, I want to press you on that choice of words. Why not mentor? Why not help meet? Why not partner? You settled on guide. We settled on guide. Okay. So there's a few reasons. One of them is that it really fits the quest metaphor. Okay. Okay. So you're on a journey and, um, you, so if someone's going to help you on a journey and know where to go, that's a guide. Right. Um, if you think about, um, say, so maybe not epic fantasy, but real life outdoor adventure, 
that's who you hire as a guide, a mountain guide, a river guide. And um, the guide takes the journey that you and, and actually the mountain guide calls the person they take a client. So that kind of works with, with uh, consulting as well. The client has to go on the journey. It's, it's, it's not a success unless the, the client makes the journey. So the guide is there to support the client in the journey. Uh, one of the reasons I don't use the word mentor is that um, I was very privileged to be able to take the leader's discipline training from the Roy Group, uh, which is led by Ian Chisholm. We've talked about uh, some of Ian's ideas on, on this podcast. And uh, Ian says that the word mentor is a gift word that someone can give you that you can't assign to yourself. Uh. So if someone wants to say, Derek is my mentor, I, you know, that I would be honored, but I will not say to someone, Hey, can I be your mentor? I understand. I yeah. understand. Yeah. Thank you, mentor. Yes. Um, another word that's used a lot is coach. Yeah. Um, in my mind, there's, there's uh, some really good things about that, but it's kind of overused. Like kind of anyone can be a coach. And uh, one of the reasons that I, um, I don't use it as much as because the coach isn't in the game. Uh, where I, yeah, I understand. I understand that's and then, and then you talked about partner. I, I, I loved your your multiple choice. That's awesome because one of the um, premises, one of the approaches that we try and take it unconstrained, is that the client and the guide are partners. Okay, so the guide is not above the client. The client is not above the guide. We're equal partners. We each bring something to the relationship that'll make it better. The client brings their knowledge of the business, um, the organization they have, the things they've accomplished already. The guide brings an approach, their own experience, which is different. And then we work together. And one of the cool things about that is the guide and the client conversation that is the um the value creation moment in my business model. Sometimes, you know, you, you could uh, have a consulting relationship where you give the, the consultant a list of requirements and they go do some research and write your report. Right. And um, the, the value that we create only happens when the guide and the client are together and they're following this approach that we use. And then when, when it all comes together, uh, what I like to to describe it as sometimes there's a value explosion <laughs> when like when that. when the client all of a sudden sees something in a different way than they did before and and that's the, that's the unstuckness that's when that yeah, happens yeah yeah uh, I can the, I can tell where the crevices start to where the crevices start to break and then you have a a new erosion. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then like the world opens up again. I, I, I've, I've, I describe this in different ways. People will say things like, I've never thought about it that way. Or I just had an epiphany. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you get the visual mind blown thing. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites though, is that is like, is that stunner, the pause. And I'll say something and then. Yeah. yeah. It just that, like they, they're just, just processing. It just sinks just, in. Yeah. It just it, sinks in. They're processing and they're, you know, and, and uh, I'll just, I'll share one example. 
Um, this was a quite an informal conversation that I had um, after uh, after a group session where people were kind of uh, having these conversations with the, with each other in a course that I was taking. And um, so this individual was talking about the the situation that they were in in their business where um, not being the CEO, this person was felt the responsibility to get the work done on behalf of the CEO and to take care of all the people. Wow. That's, that's a lot to carry. Right. Right. And as the, those thoughts were being expressed and I just asked some questions, all of a sudden it was like, just a second here. You mean I don't have to take care of all the people? <laughs> that changes my whole perspective on my life. <laughs> right, right. And 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 that, and that was like that was liberating. Like yeah. beyond beyond that would be. beyond measure. And so people get stuck in these these ways of thinking for good reason. They do reinforce themselves otherwise they'd slide out of them. And sometimes it takes an outside conversation, an outside view, particularly one where, you know, to watch for these things and just and 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 we, we don't do a we don't hit people over the head i mean that's the that's the reaction sometimes but it's a little question it's like oh and why is that and then they realize there's no good reason for why it is other than that's always been that way uh so so that's i mean we've, we've gone a, a, a fair bit along this thing so that's the idea of a guide okay and and I and I think it's it can be very powerful, particularly in getting unstuck from you know ways of thinking, from assumptions, from uh, not you know wanting to address or you know deal with uh, something that uh, you, you might not even admit as an issue, but an outside person can say, "Really? Yeah." I'll I'll share another example, um, and I do just I do you know, disguise these things a little bit. Um, I don't want one of my clients phoning me right up after they hear the podcast and say, you know, my, our secrets now out, but um, <laughs> this, this is a situation. And, and I think Reed, that you've probably experienced this exact thing. And I'd like your perspective sometimes in different professions. Um, there's a certain personality profile that you tend to get. Can't find, can't, Get. No, you tend you tend to get. So, oh, for example, for example, uh, I've worked with engineers. Yes, um, engineers are very uh, logical and fact based. Sometimes they are a little bit less concerned about people's feelings. They're not unkind people, but there's just like when you get in problem solving mode, there's variables you need to consider and variables you don't, and that's they're trained that way. Um, I would think that in theater there's a certain kind of person that, that um, needs to be able to be in touch with and express their emotions. Yes. <clears throat> and so I was in a situation, it wasn't either of those. And again, this was the owner of the organization who was complaining to me about the personality quirks of the people that uh, he had hired because those personality quirks are directly associated with the kind of person he needed to do this particular uh, high skilled work. So he's complaining about the people he actually needed. Right. And, uh, sorry, 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 sort of called him on it. 
And I said, just a second here, you told me how productive these people were. And now you're complaining about the same personality traits that give them that. Yes. So perhaps you could think of it a different way and say, how can you build your organization around having those kind of people in it? Boom. Completely different problem. Now it's one that he can do something about. Yeah. Well, what did he do? Is it something he doesn't, does he decide that he doesn't like those people after all? That he needs, he needs more stability or? No, uh, no, you got to run with it. He's, he said, I've hired the people on the far edge of this because they're even more productive. Uh-huh. But now I have to build my organization around how to manage them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. How to set them up for success, bring in their whole personalities. And I would say, you, you got to tell me this, but as a, as a theater director, the, the good ones, you got to work with, you know, theater people, right? I remember hiring uh, as a director, uh, hiring an actress to play a certain part, knowing that she was, she had a reputation for being difficult and, uh, that can mean many things, you know, being difficult. Sometimes it just means they're perfectionists. Uh, sometimes it means that you can't relate to their concerns. But I knew that she had uh, those tendencies, and I really wanted her for this lead role because I thought she could knock it out of the park. Well, she was very good in the role. She was, she was very convincing. But backstage, we had more drama uh, than uh, than was actually ne- uh, necessary, and I, I like to keep the drama on the stage if we can. Mm-hmm. But uh, backstage, it was it was almost intolerable, and some of the cat the cast wasn't speaking to each other, and uh, they because of this conflict and. She was, uh, this person was at the head of it who was extremely opinionated and uh, not a team player. She was not, and I, w- I had to, I'm thinking of myself now as the guide because I'm, I'm responsible for that. Uh, lesson learned. I, I couldn't work with her again. Even when you had roles that you go, oh, she would be fantastic in this. But I had an associate who would say to me, can't we work with people we like? And uh, and of course you can. Of course you can. So it became a it became a very important uh, factor in my future casting. So I I totally hear where you're coming from, and I think that's exactly right that you can build your team with people that you like. But I did I did learn we did learn in this conversation that. Like if if you want part of it, you got to you got to bring in the whole package, and then you got to be able to deal with the whole package. And so you're right, you're right. It you might be expand your expand your uh, uh, expand your your acreage of people, uh, your your willingness to learn from various people. I I recognize I'm pretty shallow as to the number of people I prefer, <laughs> and I really need as a as, especially as a theater professional to expand that and say, Oh, there are, there are qualities here from people I didn't even consider. So so that was just an example of something that we learned that I didn't know going into the conversation. 
My client didn't know going into the conversation and that there was a value explosion as we came together and he stated his problem. And then I'm saying, well, you just told me that this is why you have people like that here. And he's like, I shouldn't you learn how to work with them? And he's like, yeah, I've never thought of it that way. And, uh, and, and has made some progress since this as I, as I understand it. So but Reed, you talked about uh, team and I, you know, we jumped to guide. And so one of the ways that you could consider getting unstuck is, you know, having some outside help like a guide. Um, another way is to have some confidants uh, within your organization that can see things differently. And I think one of the ways I learned how to be a guide was because I've spent so many years being a vice president. I was a chief financial officer, a chief operating officer, and I was a confidant of the CEO in, uh, in those cases. And the CEO would, you know, explain to me some of their challenges. And from time to time, I could see it differently than they did. And I think that a, like a really high functioning executive team has multiple people with multiple different views. And in particular, when we've already are united in purposes, we've talked about, uh, you can, uh, you can help each other that way. I, I don't find that those teams are all that common and it's hard to, it's hard to hang on to them. Um, and so I would say this is not a shameless plug for unconstrained. If you don't have that kind of a team, it's probably easier to engage in a conversation with the guide than to try and to try and build your, your full executive team. Although we have and, and do help people, you know, create those teams and and align those teams. And so uh, one of the things that I did, I did want to include in this conversation is, is that I think one of the reasons that the podcast has resonated with me and uh, we can, we continue to do it is because the work that we do at unconstrained is, uh, conversation. It's that conversation between client and guide. And so on the podcast and we have conversations, you and I, and with guests, uh, that's how we learn stuff. That's how we yeah. can, you know, kind of yeah. try things and things become clear when we can knock it around. And, and so I think it's appropriate that, you know, what's the way out of this? It's to have a conversation with somebody. Right. Right. It, it, a frequent, that's, frequently the answer in many life concerns, isn't it? Well, and, and, and some of it is the two way conversation, but I was even just in a conversation this morning and someone said, you know, kind of a, apologizing cause I'm the guide in this case. Um, I'm just kind of like saying stuff, you know, and then later on it's, you know, and when I say it out loud that it makes sense, now I'm going to write it down. So I think, I think sometimes we have a bit of a block on um, our own thinking processes and we're maybe willing to say something to someone and, you know, answer to a question that we wouldn't be willing to write down because that's too like committed, too firm. You know, I but find then, that when I'm writing, when I, I find uh, when I'm, when I'm composing as a writer, I think differently than I do when I'm speaking extemporaneously. And uh, 
I feel sometimes surprised. Uh, I do remember writing some writing a play once uh, where I was so surprised my hands just flew off the keyboard uh, because what I had just written, which came from me, but it also came from a character I was writing, and I went, "Oh, that's just." That's just great. That's exactly what I wanted. I would have been entertained by that as a as an audience member. And I didn't. I don't. I still to this day don't feel complete ownership over it. I feel like the character said it, and uh, it it's an it's an extreme. It's an extraordinary uh, feeling because I'm in a different mindset. So the character said it in a conversation where that was the thing that needed to be said. Oh, he said something that just moved me terribly. And yeah. uh, I just, I, I pulled my, I remember being very physical about it by pulling my, my fingers off the keyboard and looking at it and rereading it and hearing this character talk to me. So, so I think that's what we're, we're, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And like if we, we can, if we can just get talking, and maybe like remove some of the barriers, some of the standards that we hold for ourselves, and then maybe address different questions, then we can, we can move our thinking. And if I go back to the quotation at the beginning, Albert, Albert Einstein talks about getting to a different level of thinking and, and, we can't solve the problem at one level of thinking. We can if we get to a different level. We just have to figure out how to get to a different level. That's something that I've 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 studied and, and try to help people with. Well, I don't pretend to uh, be Albert Einstein's equal uh, intellectually. I uh, I'm more like a Stephen Hawking, but I uh, I feel that that quote resonates directly with what we're talking about and. Uh, is also applicable to everyday sort of conversations. I find myself getting more and more reclusive as I age. Uh, now that I'm in my forties, I feel like uh, uh, I'm I'm getting more less interested in in pursuing new people and it or pursuing new conversations, making new friends. Uh, I'd rather just be alone. But I feel uh, most challenged and most fulfilled when there are other people around me. So that's a that's a dichotomy I haven't haven't figured out yet. Well, I I think part of it is because if we if we go back to this idea of being stuck uh, on our own, and this is a, as a leader of an organization as well. You can feed yourself the information that you need to complete the loop. And, and so now you're stuck because of the loop reinforces itself. We can't yeah, do this because of this. We can't do that itself. because that's of that. True. So, so that's why we're stuck is because it's feeding itself. Yeah. And so if somebody breaks into that system and says, Hey, what about this? We have to look at that. Then it, that can upset the equilibrium. And, th and that's a good thing. And so, Having people in your life that are different than you, who have different priorities or challenge you on different ways is a way of, you know, kind of staying on your toes and 
staying un, unstuck. And Rita, and I can tell that you've been in this equilibrium because you think you're 40, but you're actually almost 62. No. Yes. And it's been oh. 20 years of being in that stasis. You don't, you didn't even know. So we're mind here to blow mind. Blown, that's right. Sir. That's mind right. Blown. Okay. We've got another one for today. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so, so, so Reed, thanks for, uh, thanks for like pulling this out of me. Cause I don't want to brag. I, I, I don't like talking about myself as much as the ideas, but one of the things that we've run across is that of all the stuff we've talked about, it's really valuable to have a guide to kind of open up your thinking to fully realize the benefits of systems thinking and essential dynamics. Derek, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I feel uh, that your, your uh, uh, wisdom has been hard earned and uh, and I'm I'm in awe of it having known you as a as an adolescent I uh, whoever thought that you'd end up wise so uh, I'm uh, I'm glad you're there I'm glad to be part of uh, essential dynamics and I'll always hold it dear to my heart uh, I think uh, I think that's where we should leave it and uh, today's conversation has been delightful I'm really grateful for the opportunity to guest host and uh, please invite me back. I hope, uh, I hope we continue to find new lessons from our guides. And uh, in that pursuit, consider your quest. Mm -hmm.